0: we open up space in our lives we can start to fill it with very interesting creativity and with that it happens like neurophysiologically what's going on is your brain waves are changing your brain is slowing down its activity levels it's it's relaxing a little bit and we shift
1: welcome to the effortless swimming podcast the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water become a better swimmer and live a better life here's your host brenton ford welcome to the effortless swimming podcast my guest today is dr greg wells and this episode couldn't have come at a better time because right now you're probably forced to be slowing down to not be doing as many things as you'd normally do and getting out of the busyness cycle and on today's podcast we discuss some of the things that he talks about in his book called rest refocus and recharge We're going to share with you some strategies on why doing less will actually help you achieve more how you can stop reacting to things and be more deliberate and take full control of the things in your life so that you can do more of the things that you love and less of the things that you don't love because in the end, it's you who has the final decision. I'm going to talk about how you can refocus your attention, some ways that you can really dial into the tasks that you want to get done so you can do that task in a quarter of the time. And we're also going to talk about how you can stop becoming a slave to busyness. And this is what I think we're finding is really happening right now where where people are able to get out of that busyness cycle and just focus on the things that give them more purpose and the things that really matter to them. So let's jump into the chat with Dr. Greg Wells. Well, Greg, thanks very much for being on the, the podcast. I think your book couldn't have come at a better time. It's called Rest, Refocus and Recharge. And after reading through it, I think everyone's pretty much forced to do exactly that. There's not much else that they can do at this time.
0: Uh, It's the most bizarre experience ever, like watching the entire world shut down right as I, you know, release a book about taking a moment to pause and breathe. And it's like happening enforced at scale globally. It's so bizarre. And um, anyway, I hope it helps people get through this pretty crazy time.
1: Yeah, and I I think one of the things that I've found and just speaking with with a lot of friends is it's really forced this time has really forced them to slow down and just and watching people just like go for a walk or, or sit on a park bench and just like, just not looking at their phone, just kind of staring out into space. It's a really weird thing where people are are forced to to do nothing. And I, f- I find that like, that will be one of the real positives to come out of all of this.
0: I think so. Like I was out for a bike ride the other day, because we're still out, out to do that sort of stuff is, you know, keep your distance from people. Uh But, people were out cycling with their families. People were out in the parks as you were talking about, like obviously respecting each other's distances as you absolutely need to. But yeah, it was, it's amazing to watch people and they're just kind of like chilling out there. People are like staring off. People are thinking, people are having meals with their families. People are reading books. People are taking online courses. People are learning to cook. Like it's it's amazing what's happened now that we've paused for a moment just to take a step back. And it's funny, you don't appreciate what you have until it's taken away. And so much of our normal lives has been taken away from us. And I think a lot of the really interesting thing is going to be like when things ramp back up again, can we be a little bit more deliberate about what we put back into our lives so we don't end up where we were even two weeks ago, You know, burned out, stressed, fatigued, depression, anxiety? all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think that there's tremendous opportunity, knock on wood, like healthy and all that sort of stuff. And obviously a lot of people are going to get sick and, and are sick. And so we, there is no question going to be some pain as we go through this time. And I want to respect that deeply, but I think that there's some incredible uh, potential benefits uh, or, you know, different courses that we can go on in the, in the future, which, which is interesting to behold as the world goes through this crisis.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I've, personally found is that like i've been sleeping until seven o'clock most mornings where before that i was normally up at five o'clock so the the sleep thing's a massive one i know you talk about that in your book where using sleep as a a tool to to recharge and and a number of other things like for me that's probably been one of the most interesting things i've been sleeping for eight or nine hours a night which rarely happens and look it it might be a, a change in the um in the time of year as well, like it's not light until about 7 o'clock or it was light at 5.30 in summer, but um, I've noticed that is a big change and also just simplifying. It's like, all right, what do I really need in life to be, to be happy and to be fulfilled and it's like it's pretty simple I think and, and this has really shown that where we're forced to just uh, really get rid of and purge all of the things that, that are unnecessary that can really come into your life when you do get busy.
0: Isn't it crazy? Like I'm also sleeping so much right now. I I wear an Ura ring, O U R A. If anyone wants to check it out, it's pretty interesting technology. And it's tracking all sorts of data. And I was kind of feeling a little bit sick the other night. So, um, you know, given the current environment, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna sleep as much as I possibly can because I know sleep's related to the immune system. And I was like, I do not want to get sick right now. So, I slept for nine hours. I haven't slept for nine hours in like years. Mm. I felt amazing the next day. And I'm not setting an alarm in the morning. Like I wake up when I wake up Uh, this morning. I had to get up early because I did a a call through to the UK from Canada where I am. But um, I think that it's great to see that, you know, we are actually like sleeping and we're able to sleep in because maybe we're not commuting as much as we were before. Maybe we don't need to get to the office by eight o'clock or seven o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever it happens to be. And so that is giving us a chance to recover, regenerate. And you know, I know you've got a lot of swimmers and triath- triathletes listening, and we know that recovery and regeneration is one of the things that's so important for all of us at all ages. And the way that we recover and we regenerate is through sleep. You know, when, when we sleep, our brains wash themselves out. We've learned about the, the gliolymphatic system over the last few years, which is the system inside the brain that washes the brain out. Uh, we've learned about how growth hormone is released from a structure that, and, and that growth hormone circulates throughout the body while we sleep. And that's what repairs and regenerates all of our tissues, like our muscles and our bones and our skin and our eyes. And then we have hormones that are controlled and regulated like, like leptin and ghrelin. And those are the hormones that control our appetites, that we're better able to make good decisions around food the next day. So when we sleep, when we actually take that time to recover and regenerate, obviously it improves our immune system which is incredibly important right now as everyone's paying attention to that but it also improves like the way that your brain works it also speeds your recovery from exercise it also makes you able to learn better and be more creative so it's pretty cool to see what's happening yeah it's um
1: it's 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 just so it's been such a, a weird experience and that's like what what a lot of friends have said for them it's just really really weird but i think um i don't know, will we when everything goes back to normal Will we sleep as much as we are now? I'm, I'm not sure, probably not, because we, we will get busier with work and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's been a really, um, you know, a real awakening for, uh, for a lot of people. And one of the, I guess, the, the crux of the book, book is really about doing less to achieve more. And one of the things I find going on holidays, and, and last year we went on a trip to the Maldives for a surf trip. And what I found there was like all we did during the day was wake up, eat, surf and just and relax and i'd sort of just keep on top of emails and that sort of thing but from that i found that i was able to choose the one or two things for for the business for effortless swimming that were most important going forwards and and i and i wrote these things down and wrote an action plan and the steps that i need to do to achieve them and it allowed me to get really clear on the things that were important going forwards and that was by doing very very little for for a week and just taking a step back and getting out of my normal environment and normal routine and how do you like to to use that that way of doing things like doing less to it to achieve more what how do you use that in your day-to-day life
0: yeah um i'm also like I'm, i'm a business person and so i'm usually firing on all cylinders and, you know, driving forwards as fast as I can. So I get what you experienced in Maldives. Judith, my wife took me there three years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, it's our 10th anniversary. And it was one of the most spectacular place I've ever been in my entire life. We, we did a lot of diving, not surfing. Uh, but it was it was incredible. So imagine this, you're getting a great night's sleep, you're eating incredibly healthy food, you're out in the ocean, you're out in nature. You're exercising and you're resting. And in that rest time, yeah, you got to clear your email just to keep keep on top of things. But then that opens up hours a day for you to just basically daydream and contemplate. And to when we have space in our lives, when we have space in terms of space, like actual space and in, in location and also space in terms of time, when we open up space in our lives, we can start to fill it with very interesting creativity. And with that, it happens, like neurophysiologically, what's going on is your brain waves are changing. Your brain is slowing down its activity levels. It's it's relaxing a little bit. And we shift from beta brain waves, which are these fast, sharp, um, quick movements of electricity throughout the course of the brain, down into theta brain waves, which are slower, larger uh, waves that are reflective of more sort of um, ideating, creativity, daydreaming, And that's where we get amazing insights about what we need to do differently, about how we can solve problems, about how we can consider what it is that we're doing in our lives. And we only have that opportunity when we pause, when we take a moment to consider what's going on and to maybe think about doing something a little bit differently. Interesting, the entire planet's getting that opportunity now because we're confined uh, and sheltering in, in place at home. but. You know, when you're on that beach, when you're staring out at the ocean, when you're watching the waves rhythmically or repetitively come to shore and you're thinking about what you're doing and really contemplating what's important to you and opening up the gateway to contemplating that maybe there's a different way of doing things that you could then carry forwards into the future, I think you end up in a place where you have a lot more control over your life. And I think that a lot of people don't realize just how much control we all have over our lives and that we can make the tough decisions and we can change the trajectory of our lives. and We can do more of the things that we love to do, like swimming and surfing and, you know, running a business that's aligned with what it is that you care about, or, you know, going to work, getting work done and then going to your, your, your kids sports games, right? Like whatever it is that matters to you is what you can end up spending a lot more time on. So uh, yeah, I, I think that what you experienced in Maldives was what a lot of people can experience when we put pump the brakes a little bit, slow down, pause, breathe, give yourself a little bit of space in terms of location and time. And then all of a sudden you come up with whole new ideas about how to potentially run your life or overcome challenges or solve whatever problem it is that you're trying to deal with
1: yeah and no, I've been over the last few years
0: one of the things I've had to get accustomed to
1: is not feeling guilty when I'm not working and I, I think I'm still probably going through that that today, but there's this I think we've been conditioned particularly from school it's like you know if you're not if you're not busy if you're not doing work then you're not achieving anything and it's just it's not the case it's just something that we have been conditioned over over many years but as you said, we're in full control of what we of what we're doing. And so if you want to if you wanted to quit your job tomorrow, you've got the choice to do that. I'm not saying go and do it, but you've got the choice to do it. And then you've got the choice to do whatever it is with your with your life. And I think it's it's easy to lose sight of that when we're going through the motions and we're in our routine. And something like this where we actually get to take a, a step back and, and take a bird's eye view of everything that's happening. It's a lot easier to see those things that are most important to us and, and see that, yeah, look, we, we actually do have full control of, of our lives and it's not, it's, we don't need to do what it is that other people are, are expecting of us. It's, it's really in our full control.
0: You know, that last thing that you said is probably the single most important thing that we've, either of us have said so far in this conversation that is like, you don't need to do what other people expect of you that is the key to this entire thing. When you let go of other people's expectations, then all of a sudden you are free to do what it is that you want to do. And the by other people's expectations, like we're talking about friends, family, coworkers, uh, society in general like once you liberate yourself from trying to meet other people's expectations you can wear whatever clothes you want to wear you can do whatever work you want to be doing you can exercise as much as you want to be doing you can learn what you want to do and i think that that's something that so many people struggle with in this era where we're all well up until this point now it seems seems so silly but you know in three weeks ago everyone there was you're trying to get likes on social media, or you're you're worried about how you're perceived on whatever pictures been taken of you. Like now, all that stuff just seems completely ludicrous and so short-sighted in the face of what uh, the you know the global sort of challenge that we're all faced with at the moment. But yeah, once you liberate yourself from external validation, external rewards. You can shift towards intrinsic motivation, which in the sports psychology literature is very consistently shown to be better at long-term motivation to do something. So yeah, pivot to what will you want to do? Think about what it is that you want to do. Think about what it is that you love to do, what you're great at, what brings you energy uh, what lights your fire, and just spend your time on that as much as you possibly can, and then all of a sudden, amazing things start happening in your life when you do that.
1: And that kind of goes into one of the points that, that you're talking about in the book. It's talking about you know stop, how to stop reacting and start being deliberate with the things that that you're doing. And I mean, it's uh, you're it's so funny. Three weeks ago, it's like this, the things in the book. Uh, would be like I'd say for ninety five percent of people would be um, probably not a challenge to do, but it's something that is probably really um, could be really beneficial in their lives. And now I'd say ninety five percent of people are being forced to go through each of these a lot of these steps in the in the book. And uh, and what for you like how what are some tools that you use to to stop reacting to
0: things that are happening day to day and be less less reactive and more deliberate. Yeah, it's so important. And I learned this from a, a gentleman named Sadhguru who's a Indian gentleman who does some really interesting work and um, just reading some of his stuff and taking a couple of his online courses and working through some of his thinking. And what I learned from him was the idea of uh, response ability, So response dash ability versus reaction And so, so many of us, when something happens to us, and let's just say someone says something and you're like, you get frustrated with them for what they just said, we have this reaction to it. And the reaction could be emotional. It could be something that you think it could be something that you do. So it's feel, think, do type, type, you know, explosion that can come out of you. And so that usually doesn't go well. You know, like there's been so many times when I've composed emails to someone, and I ask my wife, I'm like, Judith, do you think I should send this? And she looks at me and goes, you absolutely must delete that email right now. Go to sleep. Try it again tomorrow, because if you send that right now, you're going to be undoing the damage for months, if not years. And so reaction usually causes problems. Unless it's sort of like you're reacting from the start on a gun, you know, to go at the swim meet, there's, that's a positive reaction. It's reaction time. But like when we're reacting to things that are coming at us very quickly, that is usually extraordinarily problematic unless it's a trained response that you're deliberately trying to do. Uh, military examples for military, for example. But what we find works so much better for people when you actually train this in is to respond respond to the threat, respond to the challenge. And response means that you have this response ability and uh, like response dash ability, not response ability. Uh, And so what, what you do in that case is you consider what's happened. You outline a course of action. You think about what you need to do. And then you actually are able to do the right thing, not the quick thing. And there's this idea called metacognition and metacognition is thinking about how you think. It's another brain state and generally it's associated with alpha brain waves, which are sort of not quite as fast as beta waves when you're hustling and performing and not quite as slow as theta waves when you're ideating. This is sort of the learning and reflection zone and uh, the contemplation and strategic thinking zone. So you're relaxed, but you're definitely consciously considering what to do. And a really cool study on this, um, and I can flip all these references to you afterwards for the show notes, but there was a really cool study that that looked at students who practiced metacognition thinking about how you think. And when they ask themselves, what do you need to do? How are you going to do it? And why are you going to do it? They improved their performance on assignments and tests by three to 5%. Now that might not seem like a lot, three to 5%, but if you add that up over time, it can end up in a very, very different place in a very, very different mark. And so if you're thinking about something right now and there's a challenge that you're faced with, that simple pattern of asking yourself, what do I want to have happen? How am I going to get there? And so what am I going to do? Basically, how am I going to get there? And why do I need to do it can make all the difference in the world in terms of guiding your your actions. And what what we can control is very limited, like literally all that we can actually control is what we think, say and do. And when we practice metacognition, that enables us to take control of what we think, say, and do. And that establishes a radical level of control over what we're able to do in our lives. And then we begin to move in the direction that we want to be moving in very, very consistently rather than just reacting to the environment and getting pushed around by life, which is, I think, how I, I was probably operating up until very, very recently. So. This is not easy to do and uh, it takes practice and work but the outcome is that you end up totally moving in the direction of what you want to be doing and loving every second of it as much as possible
1: i really like those those three questions that they they pose to the students and looking at uh, looking at what i guess how we kind of structure the clinics that we do and even just looking at um how how i've been going about i've been surfing a lot more and um one of the things that i noticed so we've got this wave pool near the airport that just got built so it's like a uh, you can basically book in for an hour and you end up catching 14 to 16 waves an hour uh, so it's, it's yeah one of the it's the first wave pool in Australia. And i've been going there quite a bit and i've noticed that my surfing's improved dramatically but one of the things that really made a difference was they've got these photographers there and they're there every session they're taking photos and they, they post them online and one of the things I noticed about my technique in when I was surfing was one of the first things was I wasn't looking at where I wanted to go, which is one of the, the key things on being able to to turn. And I, I just, I was always looking down. So over the, the last couple of sessions, I was looking at where I wanted to go and that really just helped me shift my weight and um, and be able to do tighter turns and, and to be able to surf better. And the way, what I'm sort of getting at here is uh, know in terms of uh my my surfing technique which can really relate to your swim technique is it's like all right what do you want to do well i want to i want to surf better all right what does that look like well for me i want to be able to do tighter turns i want to be able to do some different different maneuvers and and what do i need to be able to, to do that and so kind of breaking it down and actually having this environment in the wave pool where you can really practice this stuff and you can learn it and you can repeat these movements over and over again my surfing's improved dramatically over the course of the last three months or so and when we're looking at at running clinics the way that we like to that i like to sort of explain things is all right well the goal is you you want to swim faster and you generally want to swim longer that's what most people want to be able to do and so we we try and keep it really simple we look at how you can do that while you can reduce drag Increase propulsion, and you can also look at your your stroke rate as another lever that you've got to, to work on. And then we just kind of go through all of the the drills, all of the ways that you can um, do do each of those things. And so just like just keeping you know, it really simple and thinking about what you're actually doing, I reckon I think is such a, a great approach. And as you said, that three to five percent can really uh, accumulate over time. So that's uh, it's it's really interesting to um to see that. Just actually thinking a bit more about about what you're doing. And I mean, for you, your, like your background was swimming and you you had quite a, a bad accident when you were younger and then you came, well, you're you able to sort of come back from from that accident. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about that and how this sparked your, uh,
0: your want to sort of learn more about all of this stuff? Yeah, sure. Since we're talking about surfing, might as well go there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, also just to like leverage off the analogy that you just threw out there before we move on. But when you talked about seeing those pictures of yourself and noticing that you were looking down and you needed to be looking where you wanted to go rather than where your board was at, I mean, that's a perfect example of reaction versus response. Right. Like if you the threat is you might fall off your board uh, or, you know, what's going to happen to you in the immediate environment. That's the threat. So you're looking there as a result, you're reacting to what's going on and maybe you're not surfing to your capabilities. But as soon as you extend your vision beyond the immediate and you start to think about you know, where do I want to be going in a tenth of a second, half a second, or one or two seconds down the road, it shifts you out of that reaction mode into the response mode and you're suddenly doing very, very different things and you're able to execute a whole bunch of new skills that you wouldn't be able to do before. So this applies to absolutely everything. It applies to business, music, drama, sports, arts, math, like all of it. So it's super cool that, that just, you know, even a couple of minutes we were able to throw a few ideas out there about, and, and surfing analogy is perfect. Cause that's, you know, what you asked me about when I was younger, uh, I was a swimmer with the Canadian youth team and I was with my club team down in Florida. We were training, uh, in March when I was like 15 years old and we buddy a couple, bunch of my friends and I went out into the waves to do some body surfing before the meet we had that afternoon. And so while we were out there, it was a particularly big wave on a particularly, uh, a beach with a, with a bad break. That was like quite steep. And so I just got picked up by the wave and just driven into the sand, ended up breaking my neck in a number of different places. So I got out of the water, Uh, my muscles all seized up to hold the bones in place. So I wasn't paralyzed, managed to get to the hospital. And then once in the hospital, they x-rayed me and I saw all of the, uh, they saw all of the the broken bones in my neck. So that was obviously pretty uh, difficult to have happen when you're 15 years old, but Spent three months in a halo brace and then had neurosurgery to repair all of the bones and uh, put some metal in my neck to hold it together. Neurosurgeon said, you're never going to swim again. I was basically like, screw that, I'm going to swim. So I spent the summer in physiotherapy and then came back uh, the following year, got back into the pool and just sort of swam my way into shape, rode my bike into shape, you know, with the stationary bike because so I couldn't really turn my head too much, lifted weights and just, you know, got myself back into swimming, was able to sort of swim up to the, national final level in, in Canada and swam all the way through college, which was great. Most of my friends made the Olympic team. And I ended up having a cool experience at the the Barcelona Olympics with Canadian television and, and subsequently in, in 2010 and 2012 when we were in uh, Vancouver and London uh, as a commentator. So that was super cool. And I had my Olympic experience. That was really great. But that whole breaking my neck thing really started to spark an interest in how the body worked. So, I ended up taking kinesiology in my undergrad while I was swimming. And then, after that, I uh, did a master's and PhD in, in physiology and have sort of transferred things from swimming into cystic fibrosis, which was a respiratory disease. We applied what we learned about swimming to help kids with breathing problems because, you know, swimming, you can't breathe whenever you want. You've got to breathe in time with the stroke. So, we applied that to help kids with CF. And then, that led to an understanding of what was going on with children who have cancer and go through stem cell treatments, which then affect the lungs. So we, you know, looked at that. So it's been a long journey into this, this world of the human body, but it's pretty fascinating. And, you know, I'm still involved in swimming, uh, do iron triathlon. And I was training for Ironman this summer. I'm actually probably training better now that all of this stuff is shut down than I was before, but who knows when we're going to have the next Ironman probably be 2021 before I do one. Uh, But yeah, swimming has been part of my life and training and science of the human body and physiology and all that sort of stuff and continue to play in that world. And it's just been, I'm very, very fortunate. Like if you asked me to go back right now and be like, if you, you know, 15 minutes before that happened, if someone came up to me and said, you know, you can change the trajectory of your life by not going in the water and not breaking your neck. I think right now, knowing what I know, I would probably go in and go through the whole thing again because it's put me in a a very cool direction with where I've I've ended up. Mm.
1: And that's how I'm trying to look at uh, all of this coronavirus stuff it's like right now it like it it, everything's really strange really weird and it's and nothing is normal and it's very easy to to kind of get you know get down about about that and and not being able to go out and see friends and do all the normal things but then six months 12 months and you know 10 years in the future i think we're going to look back and at this time you know in a way and go wow wasn't that wasn't that an amazing time and uh, i think you know we might miss a lot of the the things that we're doing now where spending more time with the family going a little bit slower in life like that stuff we there's a good chance that we will look back at it and go uh, that that was pretty incredible As, aside from a, of all of the obvious stuff that's uh, that's happening with it so it's uh i'm just trying to look at the the positives in the in the time where it's uh, it's very easy to be negative about it
0: couldn't agree with you more even if it's like talking to, you know, neighbors as they walk by, you can really see who's taking this as an opportunity and really see who's struggling with the negativity of it. Just now I was outside and, and someone, you know, one of my neighbors was like, this is continues to get worse and worse and worse. Like now it's another week. We're going to be isolated. I said, how are you guys doing? I'm like, I think we're doing great. Like we're healthy. We're happy. We're doing school at home. We're all exercising every single day. Like we're doing story time. Like we're actually enjoying this time. And again, you know, Fully respecting people are sick, people are going to die. This is very, very, very challenging. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to be affected by this. Like, I don't want to minimize that in any way, shape, or form, but in the microscope of my little world in this house, uh, we are trying to uh, take the time to have the family dinners, which we weren't doing before because I was traveling and. Everyone's quote unquote so busy, you know, swim practices at night for my daughter and stuff like that. Um, we're reading the books. Uh, I recently have been taking a lot of courses on photography at night just for fun to learn something new was not doing that before. And you're right. I think we will look back upon this as a time uh, that provided us with a new perspective on what was going on and uh, a gratitude a level of gratitude that i don't think existed 3 weeks ago and mm-hmm. it's amazing how people come together in this time like even in the united kingdom the national health service put out a call for people to help elderly people in this in the country and so 400,000 people in the united kingdom this week volunteered to go help elderly people you know maybe go grab them some groceries or you know, um, go do a couple errands, maybe go pick up some medicine, but 400, almost half a million people volunteered to go help people in the community. That would not have happened three weeks ago, right? If the NHS pulled out, put out a call for people to go help elderly people in the community, they would not have gotten the response that they got now. And I think that there's, we should as much as possible, take care of ourselves, be safe, be healthy. Pay attention to all of the things you need to do in order to minimize the effect of this globally, like social distancing and physical isolation, so that we you know, flatten the curve and we minimize the duration of this this crisis. But at the same time, also pay attention to the fact that we can be grateful for what we have, uh, pay attention to what we have, given that so much of it's suddenly been taken away, and really take this time. like this is the time to get healthier. This is the time to eat better. This is the time to take up meditation. This is the time to practice your ability to stay focused. This is the time to have those conversations with your, with your family members who are with you. Uh, pick up the phone. Make that phone call to a friend you haven't spoken to in a while because I'm sure that they're looking for something to do. And you know, getting a call from you at that moment might be something that's really cool for them to experience. So yeah, I think that you're right. We're going to look back upon this and it's going to be you know, obviously a time of tremendous pain, but also a time of tremendous opportunity.
1: Mm, completely agree. And one of the uh, one of the things I was uh, reading about in the book was about uh, focusing your attention. And I, I mean, I'm a great procrastinator. I, I can do that really, really well. And I remember, I don't know if it was a video or a podcast I was listening to, but it's um, one day I was having trouble just sitting down and, and doing the, the thing that I really wanted to do. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'd, I was, I'd put it off for, for days. And I remember hearing someone say, whatever task you've got in front of you, do it. And that means put, shut your phone off, get rid of all distractions, just sit down and do the task. And typically when you do that, you know, tasks that, that could take four or five hours, I can get it done in 30 to, to 40 minutes if I'm focused purely on that task. An example was this morning, I got up at six o'clock an hour before the kids woke up and we've got this I'm running a, a live training, uh, like a, a webinar for, for our members. And I was able to sit down, schedule it, put together about eighty percent of the slides and it didn't didn't take that long, but I'd sort of I'd sat down and I couldn't really get much done. I got about five percent done over the course of four or five days, but I decided, no, I'll just wake up early and, and do it before the kids are up when there's no distraction. So I left I left my phone, didn't check my phone when I woke up, I just got up. Had a coffee and just got to work, and it was so it, like. And now I feel I feel great about it because I've finally got it done. So, what are some strategies that that you like to use to be able to focus your attention and do the thing that's in front of you?
0: Yeah, a lot. A lot of people consider. Uh, I've been speaking about you know the book and saying, okay, so you're talking about like rest, refocus, recharge. That means slowing down, and yes, that's all true. But I also believe that we need to go absolutely flat out at certain times, like perform at 100 percent, perform at 110 percent, get the work done, do the presentation, hammer the practice in the pool, like do the training, execute like crazy, because we need to do that in our lives. Like whether you're a musician, if you're an actor, if you're a business person, if you're an athlete, whatever, there's moments to perform, there's moments to get the job done. And I think there's a way of doing that that is hyper effective. And I think that there's a way of doing that that's exhausting. And the way to do it that's hyper effective is once you start into it, getting rid of every single distraction, having a laser clear focus on what it is that you want to do and getting that in front of you, eliminating all distractions. When you're working on a project, turn off email, turn off messaging, turn off social, get rid of your phone so you can't see it turn off all of the audio notifications on all of your devices forever so that they're not going off, they're not pinging you. And you're not a slave to someone else's attention demands. You are controlling your own attention so that you can drive it into whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish at that time. I'm hyper busy. I've got a lab at a hospital. I've got a business that I'm running. I write books. I've got a podcast and social media flying around. Um, But when it's time to get stuff done, I'm pretty good at turning off absolutely everything. And deeply focusing on what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. And I think that that's something that we can practice. So basically it's like the opposite of multitasking, right? <laughs> the, so often we, we think that we can accomplish a lot by multitasking, do many things at once. That just leads to exhaustion. It's mm-hmm. hyper inefficient for the brain and the way that it works. And when we eliminate those distractions and do one thing and basically single task, we're able to do a lot more in less time. The other really interesting thing to think about is like, when are you at your best during the day? For me, I know that mentally I'm at my best, sort of 6:30 in the morning until 10, 10:30, maybe 11. So I do all of my work at that time. And I've actually in this in this time right now, where I've got more freedom, I've moved my workouts to the afternoon, and I'm feeling so much better when I wake up, sort of get myself organized, take a shower, meditate for a couple minutes, and then dive into work and just crush it when I'm when I'm totally clear. Uh, and then once I get a little bit burned out on work, grab a white tea. You know, rest for a few for a little while, you know, clear my head, do a workout, and then I'm good again for a little bit more later on. But eliminating the distractions, thinking about when you are at your best. I'm a morning person, but there's night owls that would work better in the evening. so you know pick and choose which one of those you think you you go into, and put, do your best work, do your most important work at those times. And I think that if you eliminate distractions and align your work with your circadian rhythms, that you'll be noticing that you have a lot more energy. Uh, you're getting a lot more done with a lot less fatigue. You're going to become a lot more effective in whatever it is that you're trying to do, and that can make a massive difference for you.
1: Mm. One of the one of the the weirder uh, experiences I had recently was I was in Sydney a few weeks back, and I was staying in the city. I had a I had a conference there, and I got up early, five o'clock, and got an Uber down to the Bondi Icebergs Pool, which is that that um, ocean
0: pool my favorite
1: pool in the world uh, love that
0: place it's
1: so uh, it's it's unreal and I, I went down there and i trained with a with the squad and you know went for a swim got out of the water and i couldn't find my phone and looking for it looking for it couldn't find it anywhere and so i asked at the desk they didn't have it i thought it's either been taken from my bag which was unlikely especially at that time of morning or i've left it in the uber and that's what i eventually found out had happened so i'm in i'm in bondi I needed to figure out a way to get to get back to the city um, with no communication, no maps or anything. So look, there's a lot more place, a lot more remote places you could be stuck. But it was just, it was a really f- freeing experience. Like my mind, eventually after the, I sort of got over the whole, oh crap, I've lost my phone. I, I really sort of need it for the next couple of days. After I got over that, being in Bondi and then just having to figure out, okay, how do I get home? All right, I went to a bus stop. I you know, got got that as far as I could, and then I found at that uh, at that station that that stopped at. Then I had to get a uh, get a train to the, to the closest train station. And this is just yeah, you know, I actually had to talk to people, ask them where you know does this bus go to to this location. And then when I'm sitting on that bus, I'm looking at people. Ninety percent of people are on their phone, and there was maybe one or you know, one or two that that weren't. Now just sort of wandering off into into space and it was it was actually a really freeing experience like my mind was able to just take this big big deep breath and then exhale and for the rest of the morning while i didn't have my phone it was it was actually really nice it was peaceful and i thought okay i need to do that a little bit more often because uh i'm just a lot more aware of what's happening and you're actually looking at other people and you're noticing a lot of things that are happening around you whereas with my phone in hand i'm typically just I'm, I'm focused in on. I've got this routine where I open my phone, it's check emails, check social media, and and just going through that routine day after day. So what I've I've tried to do since then is just turn my phone off and and just leave it in my bedroom or leave it somewhere where I'm not looking at it for at least at least an hour at a time. And surfing I, I think is a great thing for doing that. Where if I'm in the water for two or three hours, I'm not looking at it, not checking it, and the mind just really opens up and then get a lot more ideas about. What you can do, what I can do with my swimming and training, and then with effortless swimming, and it's it's a it's a great way I found to just be able to be a lot more creative.
0: Brent, that's so important, and I love the fact that it took you losing your phone to make that happen. <laughs> I also was out paddleboarding this year and dropped my phone in the lake. Why I had it with me, I don't know. Anyway, I did it was and it was dead, obviously. So I had a few days without it, and it was great. It was great, and I realized, oh my gosh, I actually don't think I really need it that much. So I've been trying to take time to not use my phone to turn it off. Little things like when you're having dinner with your family, make sure all the phones are away. That's an easy place to get started. Uh, One hour a day, put away your phone and just don't like turn it off, put it away, get get away from your device, whether that's you go for a walk without it, which is a radical idea these days it's also one of the great things about swimming like you cannot take it into the pool with you 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 are free from it at that moment in time and another really cool thing people can experiment with is uh, a weekend a month so one weekend a month turn off your device see if you can get through an entire weekend without a screen and that's a huge challenge but believe me it will open up lots of space for journaling for running swimming biking you know all the things that we love to do if you're listening to this podcast uh you know spending time with friends, going for coffee, like whatever it happens to be, you will have a lot more time when you're not mindlessly scrolling through social. Uh, I've summarized it as sort of the one, two, three tactics, like one hour a day, just disconnect two days a month, disconnect. And then if you can get to three weeks a year when you go on vacation, like you said to Maldives and turn it off while you're on vacation, Just put the auto responder on, let everybody know you're going to be on vacation and see how good your team is at handling business while you're away, that can also be quite liberating and freeing once you realize that you can actually go away and the world will continue without you uh, for a few days while you're, while you're away and not necessarily checking your email. So a few strategies for you, but the one, two, three practice is something that people might be able to use to put that idea that you brought up into, into practice.
1: And what do you think it is about the yeah the the water that uh, aside from obviously no no phones and um, a lot less um, electronics in there is what do you think it is about the the water that helps people sort of I guess uh, meditate in a way and feel and and mentally just come out so refreshed like I was talking to the mum of a, a kid that I've been doing some coaching with and he hadn't been able to swim for it was only a week that he couldn't get in the pool and then he finally found a uh, a friend where they have a an outdoor 25 meter pool in their backyard so he's been able to swim there by himself to just while well, all, all the pools are closed and she said to me that he's was just a different kid as soon as he got out of the pool um, after that that week off and like it's I mean I, I know what that feels like it's if, if I'm out of the pool for for two or three days and then I finally get in it's just I'm able to just feel feel much different and, and I think it's yeah it's, it's certainly something to do with exercise but there's something about being in the water, whether it's at the beach or in the pool that can, uh, that can really have that effect. And what do you think it is?
0: I don't know specifically what it is. We know that it exists. So just think about real estate prices. You know, if you're right on the beach, you've got a certain price. If you're across the road, it's much, much lower. Uh, you know, even in a hotel ocean facing views are are priced higher than garden facing views Like we know that when we look at the water, It makes us feel better. And I know as a swimmer that when I'm in the water, I am healthier and happier. Like everyone can identify with that that feeling of after a good swim, you get up out of the water and you just stand there and your body just feels so great. Uh, I think the person who has dug into this the most is uh, Dr. Wallace Nichols. He wrote a book called Blue Mind, which gets into the psychology of being near water. And that's a fascinating read for everyone in the audience uh, today, because if you're into swimming and triathlon, that's you know a window into your mind when it's near water. So check that one out. Uh, but specifically, like the, what's the neurophysiology of it? I'm not sure. I just know that I've gravitated to water my entire life. Uh, I know that when I'm in and around water, I am infinitely happier. I live on a beach here in Toronto, Canada, It's right near downtown. But you know, we, we wanted to be on the water cause I know that's where I'm happiest when I'm paddleboarding, I don't surf anymore cause you know, I broke my neck, uh, when I'm open water swimming, I'm so happy. There's a 50 meter outdoor pool near here that we swim in all summer long. It's a spectacular, obviously not in the winter in Canada, uh, but. Yeah. When we're near it, it just makes us feel better. We're like, we're so lucky to have this sport of swimming and open water swimming in, in triathlon, because there's u- unique benefits to being in the water. Probably worth digging into that a little more. Maybe that's the next book. I'm not sure, but, uh, but yeah, it's an incredible sport and, and the water is definitely something to understand. And I guess the final thing to leave with is that the new evidence that's coming out around this is sort of emerging. There's a research project going on right now in Los Angeles with soldiers uh, who have returned from Afghanistan and Iraq who have had horrific post-traumatic stress disorder. And what they've done is created something called the Veteran Surf Project, where they're taking veterans with PTSD out into the waves and evaluating surfing as a tool to help people to mitigate their anxiety and depression and panic and all the other conditions that are associated with PTSD. And they're finding that the surfing has tremendous benefits not just while they are in the ocean but for hours afterwards uh, so that's an interesting project for people to look up around the psychological benefits of being in and around the water especially for people who have undergone some sort of trauma mm,
1: uh, it, there's certainly something to it and i got to go for an open water swim last week with some friends and after being out of the water for for a week and uh it was just it was awesome day it was it was sunny water was really clear finally got to catch up with um you know with uh, with with three three friends like it was, it was only a small small swim that we did but um just afterwards like I, we were all like we messaged each other at night this is probably five six hours after the swim and we're just like how good was that swim like it was just we really appreciated being able to do it when we it's not something that uh we're able to do for a while so um, yeah, there's certainly something to it. And I've even seen a lot of friends that uh, don't necessarily, they're triathletes, but they don't necessarily love the swim part of it. They've been saying, oh, I've really missed the pool. Like I want to get back in the pool. So that'll certainly be a positive that'll come from it where um, yeah. I think people are starting to actually appreciate <laughs> it when uh, when they're not able to to do it.
0: I know those triathletes. I know you guys. I know who you are. You're going to love it. When next time you're back in the point, when you remember how it feels, get back in and just swim. Like, don't worry about the black line. Don't worry about. Uh, you know, the, just going up and down the pool, bring your attention right back into the present moment. And how does it feel to be in the water? Your body is supported. You're weightless. How does it feel for the water to go over your skin? How does it feel as you're moving down the pool and you can feel the water go from your head, through your chest, through your back, down over your quads and off of your toes? And how does it feel with the water? on your hand when you get your hand in the right position so you can actually put pressure on the water and move yourself forwards and how does it feel when your muscles contract when you're swimming and when you take that deep breath and you blow it out underneath the water and do that over and over and over again like it is an incredible feeling and sometimes we get so caught up in the lactic acid or the set or the training that we're doing all of this external stuff that we forget about it, you know what, it just feels really good to be in the water and to swim. Mm. Uh, after I quit swimming, after university, I don't think I touched the water for like six years. And then one day I jumped into the pool. And I was like, Oh, my God, I totally forgot that I love to swim. <laughs> I haven't felt like this since I was like 14 years old. This is incredible. And ever since then, I am all over swimming in lakes, swimming, swimming in oceans, Uh, you know, swimming with every marine creature that I can possibly find and also swimming in in outdoor pools as often as possible. I don't love indoor swimming uh, quite as much. The smell of chlorine still gets me after all those years of 5 a.m. wake-ups and all those sets that I did. But um, yeah, I think that there's definitely something for all of us to take advantage of and to really lean into being quote-unquote swimmers or triathletes or people that are into endurance sports. It is an incredible thing for us, especially when we bring our attention right back into the instantaneous present moment and sometimes that's what it takes to re-inspire us now that we're all out of the pool uh, because they're all closed all over the world you know the next time that we get in i'm sure it's going to be a pretty special moment for all of us i'm putting together a a six-week six-week
1: training program for when people are able to get back into the the pool and one of the and and what you you said about just remember how good it feels like that's a sort of prompted me to to think like this this with this six-week program do not worry about what your times are doing for the next six weeks because there's a good chance high a really high chance at least for the next three or four weeks that you're not going to be swimming anywhere close to what you were before even if you've been doing all of the dry land stuff and and keeping fit it'll take you a while to get back into it and to be able to maintain some good times over over some distance so you know if you can just think about how it feels and it helps you so much with your technique as well when you haven't got the distraction of your watch or you're looking too much at the times. Just, just think about how it feels. You might be thinking about your stroke. That is going to get you so much further, especially in the net, the first six weeks of when you do get back into the pool. Then, then worrying about how much you have slowed down in that in that time. Because I think in six weeks' time, and this was sort of my my benchmark for when I was uh, when I went to university. Like I'd, I'd be doing a bit of rowing and a little bit of gym work, but we weren't swimming much. But then I came back during the, I think it was mid-semester break and I, I trained really hard for six weeks um, with my old squad and I was able to get back to pretty much where I was when I when I finished school, when I finished swimming uh, competitively. And so with six weeks of some some decent training, you can really get some good fitness back. But the first three weeks or so was horrendous. I, I felt like crap. Yeah. I was slow. Um, but after that, like it, it does come back pretty quickly after those initial couple of weeks.
0: It's process, not outcome, right? Like you're not worried about what the time is. You're not worried about your, like your fitness. You're just simply back in the pool and swimming. So, you know, take off the watch, turn off the pace clock, just get through the miles, fix your technique, enjoy the process of getting fitter again. And ultimately, I mean, we're all going to be hopefully doing something like this for the rest of our lives. We're going to be racing for the rest of our lives. We're going to be testing ourselves for the rest of our lives. Like there is no end point here, which is all about process. So I guess there is an end point, but we're not too worried about that. Um, you know, that's like long, 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 hopefully, like when we're 120 or whatever, and then we can just upload our consciousness into the cloud and carry on. But like, it's the process of getting fitter. It's the process of going to practice It's the process of doing the the sets of fixing the technique of building the discipline of getting mentally stronger of eating the healthier foods, right? Like it's just process, process, process. And the people who are enjoying the process are the ones who end up doing best. Like Michael Phelps is a great example of that actually just popped into my brain. Like people forget that you know after the 2012 olympics even though he'd won you know a record number of medals and I had a chance to go to london and, and while I watched a lot of swimming and I saw him swim, and he was very businesslike like he got the job done but he was not a happy person like he wasn't touching anyone on the on the podium he was just getting the job done he was at work and you could tell that he was interested in getting medals and doing the sponsorship stuff and all that sort of thing and then 2 years later in 2014 he was deeply unhappy he really struggled with mental health and he was depressed and even ended up being suicidal at one point. His coach got him checked into rehab because he'd been abusing alcohol and drugs. And while he was in rehab, he went one day to the little tiny pool that was in the rehab facility, put on his shorts and and went for a swim and rediscovered the fact that he just loved to swim. He just loved to train. And he said he got so caught up in the money, the medals, the fortune, the fame the sponsorships, all of that stuff that he completely forgot about the love of swimming. And if you look at him in 2016 in Rio, just look at the pictures of him on the blocks. Like he's happy. Look at the picture of him in the water after he wins medals. He's smiling ear to ear. Those pictures do not exist from 2012. Like he was not happy. He was not hugging people. He was not high-fiving. He was not having a good time. So even Michael Phelps has to rediscover this love of, of swimming and the practice of of training right like the practice of the mindset of process not outcomes so you know if it can happen to michael phelps it can happen to any of us and it's a it's something we all need to work on and play with and and learn from and you know and and move our lives forwards
1: what a great place to to end it greg thanks so much for being on the podcast your book is called rest refocus and recharge and we will uh put all the links in our in our show notes that uh where's the best place for people to get in contact with you and i know you're working on a couple of uh uh, ways that people can learn the things that you're you're teaching uh, online. So you're um, yeah. not speaking as much at the moment, but uh, nope. working on the online stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so where's the best place to get in contact?
0: Yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, the best place is through my website uh, drgregwells. dot You can check me out on social at drgregwells. Uh, we have a new app coming out soon called Vivio. V I I V I O. It's Latin for life that will um, use Apple Watch and iPhone to track your physiology and give you individualized recommendations. Pretty cool app. So we're super psyched about that. It's got sleep tracking and stress. So check that out as well. And if you want to pick up my book, I would be infinitely honored. And that's on Amazon. So you just search uh, Dr. Greg Wells on Amazon. You'll find all the books there. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I just had so much fun and great to talk to swimmers. So it's all good.